BSBOT, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> who cares? I mean, no one played like it tonight. Dude, like, I, I don't... We do the show a lot, right? Twice a week, every single week. I might sound a little weird, too, by the way, for those listening at home. I have Invisalign now. You got Slack open? Is that why you sound weird? (laughs) No, no, I should close Slack, though. You're right. (laughs) Shit. No, it is closed. Nice. Um, I have Invisalign, so I might might sound a little weird. My mouth is still adjusting to it. So there you go. Um, I guess that was a brag. I don't know. Whatever. The Rangers suck tonight. Um, In this situation, we did this. In your opinion. Sorry. In my opinion, the Rangers suck tonight. Then again, then again Johnny's got bigger problems tonight. He's probably not listening. Yeah. Uh, that's his building or something. Um, I don't know. Look, I, I don't know what to, what to make of this. And I, I, I don't want to be like a staunch Quinn defender here. Right. Mm. But I did say at the beginning of the season, okay, we're going to learn a lot about David Quinn and – his ability to adjust against the teams throughout the season. You're going to play the Boston Bruins multiple times. The Bruins have now beaten the New York Rangers four times. It, what? There hasn't really been adjustments. Is it just the Bruins are just so, so much better that it just doesn't matter? Halak is just a Ranger killer on every single level. Like what, what do I need to see from David Quinn here? Like, should I be criticizing him more than I already am? What I don't know, Greg. Talk to me about this. I have no idea. I honestly, this is tough because first of all, Yaroslav Halak is Ranger whatever killer, we thought of dude. Jimmy Howard is what Yaroslav Halak is. I'm so happy I went to the casino uh, before the game started. Good. I wish you would have stayed the Rangers there, dude. under five and a half. Oh, like yeah. I, as soon as Halak, <laughs> as soon as Halak is named starting goalie against right. the Rangers, the question isn't. Um, how confident I am that the game will be under. My only question is, am I confident the Rangers themselves won't allow six goals? And was looking a little touch and go there for a while tonight. But Halak is just amazing against the Rangers. Every goal you think is good against the Rangers is actually Yaroslav Halak. But even with that in mind, this was just a non-competitive hockey game. Uh, Totally. I get get, we get it. The Boston Bruins, in our opinion, we've said it, I think consistently since the divisions were announced, they're the best team in hockey. And there will be nights like tonight where they prove that they're the best team in hockey. You're not going to beat the best team in hockey when you're a young developing team like the New York Rangers, but you can at least play a competitive hockey game. And the Rangers just flat out weren't competitive from the beginning. I, you put a gun to my head and say, name one Ranger that played well tonight. Keith, my, I guess. My, like, an- I honestly, my answer is that's like... That's not even me bo- being a friend of Keith. Like, none of the Rangers defensemen or forwards had a good game. Adam Fox even looked one. pedestrian at times. I would say Buchnevich tried very hard in the third period. That was my takeaway from the Rangers side. I don't really have anything else nice to say at all. At all, Greg. Like, not one oh, it thing. Was, it, was a, it was bad from start to finish. Uh, friend of the podcast, Rick Carpinello, said this is about to be like make or break time. Uh, I did. I, I tweeted this yesterday. I'll repeat it today. I did the math going into the night. The Rangers had 32 games remaining. I was only able to find seven games the on the schedule where I would be able to say the Rangers were a betting favorite going into the game. You know, t- tonight was not one of them. But tonight is another reason why. Honestly, that number's probably <sighs> those Devils games are going to be 50-50, which means the Rangers will only be betting favorites against the Sabers the rest of this season. It's 
Like, I don't expect much from the Rangers. I really don't. No, and I we did. We tried to say this all year, right? We said the Rangers are probably a sixth or seventh right. place team. We did. Right, and, and they've shown they've shown to be that. But even with no expectations and saying that it's a young team, saying that it's a team that needs to grow, the thing I can't get over is just how non-competitive they were. And I credit where credit is due. As negative as we can be tonight. This is one of maybe only three or four games in which the Rangers have looked this bad. Right. Uh, you, you go back to opening. This is definitely the worst loss since opening night. Not even close. Um, I think one of the Penguins games was equally bad. But, this, yeah, I mean, the least you can do, even when you're the underdog against a much more talented team, which Boston Bruins are a much more talented team. Than yeah, New York just to speak on that for one more second, Greg, here. I know we, we've said they're the best team in hockey. You can make a case for the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Lightning, of course, and then, of course, the Tampa Bay Leafs, the Toronto Leafs, rather. In this case, uh, the Leafs play in an easier division. Of course, they're very talented, and, and Tampa Bay is the only team in hockey I think you can make a sound argument that is better than the Bruins. That's it. I don't think anybody else even comes close. I would agree with that. Oh, my God, the Lightning are losing 5-2 to two tonight to the Red Wings. Um, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> well, that proves our point about the Bruins. There you go. Yeah, that's amazing because I definitely bet the Lightning tonight. Well, well, uh, I believe the Lightning were 19-0-1 against the Red Wings in their last 20 games. So I was like, oh, that's a safe bet. Um, Greggy. <laughs> hey, I had the Rangers under. I'm doing good. That's true. Uh, yeah, the, but the point I was trying to make is it, it, it's not like we go into these games expecting the Rangers to win. We're not that naive. We're not that dumb. We're not even that optimistic. But the least you can do is try. And dollars to donuts, I can't say they tried. It looked like the Rangers knew they were going to lose before this game started. I, I, and it, they played that way. As soon as the first goal came up, and, you know, Georgiev, and we'll get to him in just a second here, I'm sure. Like, I don't even know how much more we can really say than we haven't said already on this show before, right? But as soon as they let up the first two goals, and it was pretty quick. Like, I blinked and it was one nothing, And then I blinked again, it was 2-0. And as soon as it was 2-0, the Rangers were like, okay, let's get cardio in the rest of this, the entire rest of the night. Let's not play too hard. Keith came in, and then they they played a little harder and allowed like Keith to settle in a little bit. But the game was a non-start. Like, Georgiev just, he's just not good. I don't, I don't, you know, I tweeted this out. I'd rather Keith be the backup. Listen, I know you'd have to wave Georgiev in that case. I don't know if someone signs him. I really don't. Yeah, you don't gotta, I don't think you got to wave them because you can carry as many goalies as you want on your active roster. Right that now. That's true. I would carry all three. I seriously would, dude. Like, I why mean, they, not? they have been to, in their defense. It's not like they've sent Keith down a couple times to get games in, but I don't think they're going to be doing that anymore. Um, like, I know Potato's like because, on the taxi squad right now because of that. Yeah, and it's also... I mean, again, this is going to sound biased, but Keith has played well enough where if the Rangers tried to pass him through waivers right now, there's no guarantee that he'd make it through. Uh, worse goalies than Keith have been claimed on waivers so far this year. Uh, it's we've since we started this podcast again. We live a blessed life. We really do because we had Henrik Lundqvist, and then we went right into Igor Shosturkin, and in between we've had Antti Ranta, we've had Cam Talbot, we and, even and had Georgi. Cam Talbot was incredible. Had, he really was. We had the we had the kid Andre uh, uh, Palavic. Or my guy, whose name I don't even know. If <laughs> your your guy, yes. I mean, I liked him. He was fun. He yeah. was fun. But we've never really, in all those years, and that included a Hank injury, which gave Cam Talbot run. Um, we've never really seen a Ranger goalie struggle. 
And we've definitely never seen a Ranger goalie go into a slump like the one Georgiev is in right now. Part of it has to be mental. And I know we've said this about Mika, but goalies are such weird creatures that it's almost like um, Major League Baseball relievers who develop the yips. Once you have them, there's almost no shaking it. While you do have to play your way through it, the one thing Georgiev has going for him is the Rangers aren't going to make the playoffs this year. So they, I guess, if they wanted to, could be a little bit more opportunistic with the games that he gets in. But listen, how many times on this podcast have we also said stuff like the New York Rangers are going to get themselves a lot of answers this year? And we always thought that there was an answer to Georgiev, which was the Rangers were always overvaluing him. Agreed. Emphatically answered this year. It's Igor's team. It'll be Igor's team. This isn't a team that has a 1A, 1B goalie situation. They have a starter and they have a backup. And right now their backup is not playing like an NHL caliber goalie. No, Keith is playing like an NHL backup for sure. That's what he is. No, but but that's also the point that we've been making for such a long time here, right? You can find backup goalies, especially when you have a clear-cut starter. All you have to do is get lucky a couple times with backups. The Rangers got lucky with Cam Talbot. They got pretty lucky with Antti Ranta. They've been able to develop their own backup goalies. They have. They were able to sign Keith. They have Tyler Wall. They have Adam Huska. They have guys that can start 15 games a year when Igor needs a night off. That's why it's never made any sense that the Rangers put so much emphasis on Georgiev and why it never made any sense that the Rangers weren't willing or weren't more willing to realistically talk about him in trades. Georgiev has never been the number one. And I I understand that the Rangers might have thought at his peak, he was a starter caliber goalie. And while he was cheap, that was a really nice thing to have. But this goes back to the same conversations that we had even this summer. We didn't know that Henrik Lundqvist would need open heart surgery. No, we had no idea. But we knew that if you bought Henrik Lundqvist out, all that meant is you were going to pay Alexander Georgiev the money you were saving by buying Hank out. And even if Hank if Hank went to the Rangers and said, hey, guys, I don't want to back up Igor, that's a different conversation. We have no reason to believe that conversation actually happened. The decision was Hank or Georgiev. They chose Georgiev for some reason. And we're essentially seeing the worst-case scenario with that decision. It's... I, I, for the life of me, I have defended a lot of things the New York Rangers have done, and I've been critical of a lot of things the New York Rangers have done since we started this podcast. But very few things have confused me more than how the Rangers evaluated the asset that is Alexander Georgiev. I, it, it was like, to me, it's like he's the sixth best starting pitcher on a team. And the team, instead of trying to address another weakness that they have, and they have plenty. Yeah, the team has weaknesses. They just decided to keep sure. extra starting pitching. I, I don't. I honestly, the management of this asset, and I, you and I, big asset boys, love the love value. Oh asset. my god, I still freak out about Keith Yandel. I'm, I'm nuts you about do. it. Yeah, legitimately, we're, we're big. We're big asset boys, and when when there's such a clear mishandling of an asset, it kind of drives us insane to a point where. It might not be fun for people to hear about all the time, but man, it is just, it's still just crazy it, to me that it, the New York Rangers. It's night and day different with Tony too, just to get that out of the way. Like Tony ruined his own career in that way. The, the Rangers chose Georgiev. They just chose him. 
That was it. Yeah, but that like with with the Rangers chose Strom, but they also needed center depth. The Rangers chose D'Angelo, but they also weren't a hundred percent sure what their blue line was going to look like this year. The Rangers choosing Georgiev never made sense because they had Igor and they had another year of Hank. Like you, that was the last thing you needed was another goalie. You didn't need it, and other teams gave up real assets to acquire goalies both last season before the pause and even this offseason. So it just it drives me mental that Georgiev is still a New York Ranger, and it has nothing to do with this. It, it has so little to do with this slump and so little of what Georgiev is as just like a human being. He's, I'm not rooting against Georgiev. I hope he turns it around. It'll make the New York Rangers a, a lot better, better team in the short term yep. if he's better. But it's it's maddening that the Rangers chose to not investigate that avenue. It, it's it, it, it it's illogical. It, it's weird because we had nine months right of talking on this podcast with no hockey, and we heard rumors and people told us like we don't the the, the opinions were all over the map. Either hey Georgiev is good enough to be a starter in the NHL, or we don't really don't think he's that good at all. Like we don't think he's good. Period. And there has never been like a solid ground like. When you talk about Igor Shosturkin, everyone thinks he's good. For the most part, you talk to anybody in the, around the league, like, oh my God, that guy has incredible potential, has been a winner his whole career, has shown he can do it nonstop. Like, Igor is the real deal. But Georgiev, whenever we asked anybody, goalie coaches, anybody we talked to in the back, NHL insiders, et cetera, whatever you want to say, it's always been, well, I think he's he might be like secretly pretty bad or they think he's a starting goalie. But the starting goalie thing, it never really, I never, it never, he never really had a claim to it. I don't, I, we never really saw it. This year has been a debacle on every single level. It's been an absolute failure. There's no other way to put it. The, the, the guy has been miserable. He can't make routine saves. And I'm sure, yeah, sure, he could flash it once in a while that shows he has like that quote unquote starter skill. But he doesn't. Like, it, it just, he's not consistent enough where, Consistency is what makes you great as a goalie. It's what made Henrik Lundqvist great for so many years. He was the most consistent goalie maybe in history. Or not in history, for sure, but he's up there. Maybe history, I don't know. But Georgiev is not that. He just isn't. And he's letting in too many soft and easily stoppable goals where Igor just doesn't do any of that. It's very frustrating. I mean, that's the difference between good goaltending and mediocre goaltending, right? A mediocre goalie can get hot. Jimmy Howard. Jonathan Quick won a Stanley Cup. Yeah. Matt Murray won a Stanley Cup. These guys aren't elite goaltenders. They got hot at the right time. Um, it, but everything regresses back towards the mean. Like, when Igor goes into a slump, we're talking about a guy who lets up two to three goals a game, and we're starting to wonder what's going on here. With Georgiev, it's non-competitive. When Georgiev is off, the game is over. When Georgiev is on, it's a it's a ball game. He's going to be able to win you a couple games, but that's that's like you're going to get just as bad as that with him. It's I don't know. At, at you to your point where we heard so many mixed messaging about Georgiev over the summer. We have to be perfectly clear. We heard consistent messaging from the New York Rangers, which is they trust him, they like him, they value him, they don't want to move him. Never once, whenever we talked about Georgiev trade possibilities, whenever we brought up his name, 
with other insiders or other guests that we had on the show. It was always from a position that what if he was available? Everything we've ever heard about regarding his standing within the organization was he was as close to off limits as you were going to get. You would have had to give up the entire house in order to get Alexander Georgiev, which again, it's just utterly ridiculous that that was the mindset this organization was having with him. Because again, in order for Georgiev to be the number one, de facto number one over Igor Shosturkin, it would have less to do with Georgiev and more to do with Shosturkin taking a massive step backwards. It, it, it's, it's just so confusing to me. I, there's, there's no justification for trying to keep your number two goalie if you could have gotten starter quality return for him on the trade market, which honestly for goalies, it's a second round pick and a prospect. You, the Rangers could have gotten that in spades if they made Georgiev available in trades. They were firm on their asking price. Nobody wanted to meet it. This is the bet. Yeah, they wanted the first. This is where you are now. That's all we ever heard was they wanted a first for him. And that that was probably never happening. And likely was or or a top prospect, like an NHL ready defenseman. Never happening. And now it's definitely not happening. I would say his value is negative at this point. You couldn't pay someone to take him. Uh, I wouldn't say negative. I mean, the We're close. Senators traded for and extended Matt Murray this offseason. No, that, um, that's a little different. Like, at least you could say like your pitch is, hey, you want a Stanley Cup? Right. You yeah. have that pitch. It's totally different. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and continue this. Transition. We are back. All right. Um, yes, as we were talking about Matt Murray. Yes, you can... You can make that pitch to, pitch to everybody out there. Say, oh, yeah, we have a veteran leadership. This guy is taking someone to the promised land. He can be – to get us to the next level during our rebuild, we'll pay him a lot of money, et cetera, hit the cap floor, whatever you want. Your gift, like, not so much, man. Um, I do kind of want to steer this back to Quinn just for a second because I feel like we kind of got off that topic. When is it – I don't – I listen, I, I – I get it. Fire Quinn. I know what you're saying. You're sitting out there. You're saying fire Quinn. You're saying he's a terrible coach. Team, this Games like this happen for every team. It doesn't matter who you are. It happens. I mean, like, like Greg just said earlier, the Tampa Bay Lightning are losing to the Detroit Red Wings right now as we By speak. By multiple goals. By multiple goals. That is a terrible game. When do When is it okay for me to start criticizing Quinn for not adjusting or... When is it okay for me to, to say, I, I, I do have legit criticisms of the way the team has played these last three games. When they get down two goals, it seems like they just don't want to play anymore. There's not really a lot of fight to them. And I don't know if that's Quinn, the players, or what. I don't know what well, to make of it, really. I think it's a, it's a little bit of both, right? Like, we, we did this dance once upon a time with Vino and even with Quinn as well, where, like, you can blame the coach for allowing goals five minutes into a game because that's just bad team preparation. But you also at some point have to blame the players for not getting up for the game itself. Um, it's, it's difficult because I don't know how you adjust to the Boston Bruins when you're the New York Rangers. I, I think if anything, you're putting yourself in a failing position. If you're trying to play the Bruins game, when you just don't have the talent that the Bruins have. And right now the Rangers don't, um, so it's it's almost like the only way to beat the Bruins if you're the New York Rangers is by playing the style of hockey you want to play. And if it goes poorly, at least you were going down fighting the best way you know how to play. It's almost like, to me, this this is an example of overcoaching 
where Quinn clearly understands that the Bruins are the superior team and clearly understands it or clearly believes that if the New York Rangers are going to beat the Boston Bruins, he has to do things differently on a nightly basis against them. And asking a team as young and raw as this New York Rangers to play a different style of game than the one that they're already struggling to play consistently on a nightly basis, I think it's asking too much. Uh, we listen. I think you made a great point there. I want to just get touch on it real quick. Sure, sure, sure. You said the word overcoaching, and I think that describes Quinn perfectly tonight. He switched the lines in a Quinn Blender esque way to a level that I'm not really comfortable with. He said he kept trying to find something that would work until he just went to like the kids and the top line, which is just like KZB and then like Hedl, Kako, uh, Lafreniere at the end is his top two, and just kind of ran with that and like threw Strom in there once in a while, tried to get anything going. But that's exactly what he did. He, like, switched. I know Lemieux played with Lafreniere, and then, like, Kaka was moving up and down. Everybody was rotating. No one could get chemistry. And I think he just tried too hard to find anything that was working instead of just saying, okay, let's just try and develop chemistry for the next game because this is, like, a lost cause. And that, and that started happening in the third period as he began to play the kids together, and Sam called them a nice threesome, like, multiple times when he had nothing to talk about. Yeah, it's it's difficult. And guys, we hear you. All right. We don't ignore everybody that's in our mentions or is like, Oh, you're going to fire Quinn now. Got news for you. No, I'm not because this season's going exactly how I thought it would go. And I said it then and I'll say it now. There is nothing David Quinn could do short of losing every game the rest of the season. That's going to cost him his job. It's a shitty season with shitty circumstances against only seven opponents with the youngest roster in hockey, and he's he, along with his roster, is still trying to learn on the fly. Not to mention the fact that Artemi Panarin has been gone for a month. He missed Jacob Truba for an extended period of time. He missed Philip Hedl for an extended period of time. He's missed Mika Zibanejad for the entire season. It, it's it, David Quinn is not going to get fired. Not this year. And he's not going to get fired before the midway point of next year. And the only way he'll get fired next year is if the Rangers are pulling a Sabres right now and they're dead last. And they're playing this kind of hockey on a nightly basis. Uh, it's, it's just not going to happen. Do I think David Quinn should be fired tonight based on this performance? No. No. But should we be critical of David Quinn? Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. His team put up a fucking stinker. And it's, it's as much his responsibility as it is his players. You, you can't blame one more than the other. It's it's inexcusable to play non-competitive hockey. You can lose if you lose four to one, five to one, six to one, six nothing. That shit happens against teams like the Boston Bruins. But it's the fact that the Rangers didn't have a punch tonight. Nothing. They didn't. They they got into the ring and they they rope doped it. But then Muhammad Ali threw punches. He won the fight. He he tired his opponent out and he won the fight. The Rangers were like, you know, what, we're just going to take the punches and it's going to be fine. I I think the evidence is more damning if the Rangers put this much of a stinker up against the Bruins on Saturday, um, which is totally possible. Yeah, it really it is. is. It's very possible. It's just, I don't know. It Look, this is a shitty game to talk about. I honestly, when I tweeted out that I'd rather talk about the three perfect innings that Jacob DeGrom threw today, I'd rather do that. He struck out seven of the that, nine batters. That's a, any day, though. <laughs> he, hit, he hit 102 miles an hour on the radar gun in his second He hit 102? 102. He had 10 pitches over 100 Are miles you an hour. Serious? Tonight, Ryan. What is wrong he's, with that guy? He's getting better. It's 
insane. He's 32 years old and he's improving. What the fuck is happening with Jacob DeGrom? I don't know. He's, if, if, how about this? Okay. If he retired today, is he a Hall of Famer? Yeah. You think so? I think, you think so. It's like no doubt? I don't think it's no doubt. I think he gets in like what the seventh ballot or whatever it is. Seventh year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's just unbelievable. I. What does he have? Three Cy Youngs? Two? Two. Two. Okay. I think he could make a case. I think he could make a great case. I'd make the case every night. I know uh, you would. Um, let's just talk about the end of this game. We'll have plenty of time to talk about actual Jacob DeGrom season as uh, as summer nonsense comes around. I promise we'll talk about the Mets. Um, I felt bad for Ryan Callahan, who <laughs> replaced Steve Aliquette's night at MSG. And they were like, hey, hey, Ryan, I know you're making sort of your MSG debut, former captain of the Rangers. Uh, talk about this absolute garbage game. It was like he had to like describe like Brad Marchand and how good he is, and the, even even like Sam Rosen like at towards the end of the game he like was quiet for a good three minutes and then just said, "Yeah, hard to get anything going in this game, huh?" It was like, "Oh my god, this is miserable!" Like the whole way around. You know what? A game like uh, as you know, the Mets have a lot of stinkers. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty pretty common. It's so common that Gary Keith and Ron have go tos for when the Mets are putting up a stinker. Like there are a couple times every year where they'll just break out unopened packs of baseball cards and just start reading the back of some stuff. 1970s and 1980s baseball cards. It's amazing by the way. It actually keeps me interested in a game where the Mets are getting shellacked 10 to 2. They do a great job. Um, Not a surprise. It they're incredible. But it's it's just like Rosen and Micheletti either don't have that or the powers that be at MSG don't allow them to do that. Right. I will let everybody out there draw their own conclusions as to which of those two options it is. I will not say nope. because I don't want to get in trouble. That's true. Um, it's – I don't know. I really don't. I, I am not envious of announcers in these positions. And just speaking from personal experience, I spent a fall football season broadcasting games for the Savannah State Tigers, who might be the worst football team in the United States of America. And there were a couple of instances where it was 49. One of them, it was 49 to two Akron at halftime. They got a safety. Though. And I had another half of football. To go. <laughs> and I had to somehow talk about something in that broadcast booth. That wasn't just like, boy, this team's fucking terrible. Can you believe how terrible this team is? Um, yeah. It's, it's difficult. It is not easy. It is a position. No broadcaster wants to be in, but in those moments, you can generally have a lot of fun because the crowd that's listening understands that the game is over. So now they're just kind of listening to see what the hell happens and you can have some fun with it. And it, it, it's just a night like tonight, you would have hoped that Sam and Joe would be able to have a little bit more fun with it. Instead of talking about how great Brad Marchand is, the next level oh, that they, Charlie McAvoy yeah, is reaching. Yeah, it was Charlie McAvoy. He's like, okay. He, yeah, he learned like, so much it. from Zdeno Chara. I was like, did he? <laughs> they don't play any their games are so different like yeah. what what did he learn yeah he's not did he, six eight he's not a like, giant <laughs> i don't, I don't know he, i i look he's from Long Island. i can't, I can't I crap i can't you. crap on them though it's yeah it's not easy what they do it's no, not no. easy what they do in games like these the rangers certainly made it harder for them because they just did nothing they did nothing there was the the only opportunity that gave Sam a chance to be excited was the Jack in the box play, but it was fucking Ryan Lindgren. Like it's, 
God bless Ryan Linger. He's having a great season. He's not who I want on a breakaway. And I, it, I'm not disparaging Ryan Lindgren by saying that. No, you're not. Uh, let's just uh, touch on news pieces that we haven't hit yet. Obviously, our Tammy Panarin returned to practice. If you haven't heard, you probably are under a rock. He will be playing uh, maybe Saturday. I, I, it looks like he's in hockey shape. Not sure why he didn't play tonight, if I'm being honest. But I guess we're just being cautious at this point. I understand. Igor Shosturkin seemed to practice a little bit, but I don't know when he's going to be coming back, and I wouldn't rush him under any circumstance, and I would start Keith on Saturday. And then Vitaly Kravtsov is going to come over from Russia probably in two weeks, uh, 10 to 14 days. So you could probably see his premiere maybe against the Buffalo Sabres, which would be pretty funny. So I, yeah. I, think, that's, I think that's all we really have on Ranger News. I think that's, that's, yeah, that's I, it till it's, Saturday. It's slim pickings out there, folks. Um, we'll, uh, we'll have plenty of time to talk about Kravtsov on Monday. Yep. We'll talk about it's just going to be us telling you not to get upset about time on ice totals for people. That's the first time um, of the show. Yep. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll probably talk about Panarin playing and not playing, and where he should be playing, and who he should be playing with. Um, hopefully, we'll have more Igor clarification between now and then. But yeah, I stinker I saw, garbage. It, it, garbage, garbage. I got it. I don't know. I just. It sucks even more on days like today because it was so fucking beautiful today. Oh. It was 65 degrees up here. All right, let, let's do it the right way. A year from now, a year ago today, the NBA shut down. And you... a, year ago, a, year ago, a year ago today, I was sitting in the Pepsi Center in Denver, Colorado, watching the Rangers lose. Yep, and the NBA shut down, and beautiful today, 71 degrees, 75 degrees here in Philadelphia. When I was, I was out in the park, I got vaccinated. I ate sushi for dinner. It was a perfect day. I'm not, I'm not trying to brag everyone. I'm sorry. I got, I rode my bike to vaccination. I rode out like the angels were on my wings. It was amazing. Like, Oh, it's been a year. What a, what a fucking year it was. We, we podcasted every week, twice a week during a pandemic with no hockey. We did all, we like, Oh, it's, I'm, I'm finally starting to see the light. Beautiful. I loved it. Rangers come home and just stink it up, stink it up, whatever. Uh, it was. These are the like the false spring is both my favorite and least favorite time of the year. Summer is like garbage. it's supposed to be twenty one degrees on Saturday up here. So I cool. I understand this weather isn't sticking around, but it almost made today even sweeter. Just being like, I went to the grocery store wearing shorts. It was a short day. Feel cool, incredible. It was a short. It was sixty five degrees. We had the windows open in the house. It was sunny. There was, oh, it was just fucking perfect. And then the Rangers were like, hey, you had a good day? Fuck your good day. <laughs> your good day sucks. You know how shitty your good day actually is? Here's a 4 nothing stinker against the Boston Bruins. Who just crushed it's you. Like, unbelievable. All right. We'll be back on Monday. You guys know, or Tuesday morning. We'll be, as always, whatever. We love you. Uh, follow us on Twitter, O'Reilly. Follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. And uh, let's hope for something better this weekend. Bye, everyone.